All right, give me just a moment, guys. And we'll, we will start the show in just a minute. Good morning, everybody. Hope y'all are doing well. It is Wednesday, and this is Just Human number 167. And I'm trying to get some of my tabs in order here. Trying to get the right the order that I want to go in for this morning's news. I think everybody knows what I'm going to be talking about and what I'm going to be getting into. And probably going to make a lot of people upset. I spent most of yesterday making people upset. And the day before making people upset, (laughs) Um, 
sorry, I'm not telling everybody what they want to hear. Um, but also, I'm not sorry. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm going to tell you um, how I see things. And if you don't agree, that's okay. We don't. We don't. We don't have to agree on everything. It's not necessary for us to agree on everything. It is necessary for us all to treat each other with respect and march in the same direction, basically. Um, it's important that we agree on principles and we agree on, you know, the objectives. But it's been pretty contentious week so far. And I can understand that. Um, I, I have to admit that my emotions have run a bit high. And yesterday I was in quite the, uh, I, I was, I was pretty upset yesterday. Not gonna, gotta fix my table here just a second or else something's going to fall off of it. Um, yesterday I was, um, pretty irritated. Uh, actually I, I, I was pissed off, um, and and I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been pissed off, really, but I was because I'm ready. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you where I'm coming from. Um, I'm re- I'm ready for the GOP to get to work. Uh, I'm ready for the GOP to swear in the Congress and assign committees and chairs, set the agenda, agenda, agree on the rules package, and go. It's it's time. Um, that's. That's that's how I see things. And I also don't see a uh I I don't I don't see an end game here for what we watched go go down yesterday. I'm not I'm not seeing the end game for it. Um and and maybe that's on me that I'm missing out. Maybe there's something that I'm not quite uh grokking here. But anyway, that's what led to me being fairly irritated and uh, me opining about it. Sure, sure upset some people. Um, as far as as far as uh, comments and uh, pushback, I don't think I've ever as experienced as much as I got yesterday. Um, it, it's kind of been that. I mean, like. I'm, I feel like I'm the guy telling everybody what I what they don't want to hear, when it, whether it's McCarthy or it's um, the Brunson case. Uh, I'm I'm over here being like, guys, this ain't this ain't gonna this ain't gonna work, and everybody's getting mad at me because they want me to tell them that it will work. So anyway, anyway, um, as everybody I'm sure is aware, if you're watching this show, if you're watching this show, then uh, you're a nerd. And you've been paying, you've been paying attention. And so, you know, that yesterday was the first day of a new house and the Republicans have a small majority in the house. They have 222. So in order to get something done, they need a majority vote of 218. And right now there hasn't been a, um, there hasn't been a rules package agreed, so the House is operating on bare-bones rules, which means anything the House does requires a majority vote. So that's 218, where they want to take a break or they want to um, – anything they want to do, they have to get 218 votes. 
and that includes electing a speaker. And yesterday they tried three or four times to elect a speaker and they couldn't get it done. As you guys know, Trump has endorsed McCarthy. Trump endorsed McCarthy back on November 8th. On the morning of the midterm elections, Trump went ahead and endorsed McCarthy for speaker. And I keep going back to this. Earlier last summer, Trump told people that McCarthy is not the rhino that everybody keeps making him out to be. But nobody wants to listen to Trump on that. And it's and it's it's pretty irritating to me because people would rather believe the fake news than Trump. People would rather go with some reactionary take or follow their emotions and place a bunch of blame on McCarthy for stuff rather than think, okay, well, wait a minute. Trump just said McCarthy isn't a rhino and that Trump is doing good work for the Republican party. But all these influencers are telling me the opposite. Who am I to believe? You know, one thing I was on um, the EQ chamber on Monday night with Johnny and Diddy. And I said, I said to them, guys, if, if McCarthy was the rhino swamp monster, bad guy, that conservative incorporated makes him out to be then why why did mccarthy give money to 17 of the 20 people who are right now trying to make jim jordan speaker if mccarthy is this bad swamp monster deep state whatever then why did mccarthy give money to 17 of the 20 people who are right now a hard no on mccarthy More importantly, if McCarthy is the swamp monster rhino that he is being made out to be by conservative incorporated media, then why did McCarthy not support the J6 committee? If McCarthy was this rhino swamp monster, don't you think he would have supported the J6 committee 100%? And sometimes, you know, I'm the, I mean, of course, I'm the guy who's like, this is kayfabe over here and over here. This is kayfabe. This is optics. This is Trump's trying to expose somebody here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm usually pointing out things like that. And sometimes I think that is what's going on is that there's, there's optics or it's, um, kayfabe or whatever. But I do not think that's one of the, this is not one of those times. I really don't think this is one of those times. Um, I think this is a time where Trump is saying exactly what he means to say. And that he is speaking matter of factly. Another thing that's got me upset is that people are acting as if we're going to get somebody better than McCarthy. And I have no idea why anybody thinks that that is possible. Um, I, I have no idea why anybody thinks that Jim Jordan has a, has a, has a snowball's chance in hell. 
and I and I don't know why anybody thinks that Trump has a snowball's chance in hell of being speaker. Right now, there are, as of yesterday, there's 20 hard votes no against McCarthy. And there's 80 votes for McCarthy that are hardline votes for McCarthy. You got to get 218. If McCarthy can't get enough votes, and if Jim Jordan can't get enough votes, how the hell is Trump going to get enough votes to be speaker? And so one of the things that's really been um, irritating me is that I feel like conservative incorporated media is telling MAGA some pipe dream that they're filling people's heads with some fantasy of what could happen as long as if if we can just get McCarthy to bow out, then we're going to be able to get. Jim Jordan or D82, D82 in Rumble Chat just said, let's put General Flynn in. How the hell do you think that's going to happen? Like, like how, how, and I'm not, not, not trying to single you out, D82. Like, good morning to you, sir. Not trying to, not, not trying to um, call you out or anything. But I mean, you're not the first person I've seen suggest that. Um, it's, I, I just don't get it. And I see people mentioning Ivan Raiklin. Uh, do I ain't got, I ain't got 10 seconds for Ivan Raikland. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't stand that guy. I can't stand that guy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, if you like Ivan Raikland, then you can go watch his show. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't stand that guy and I don't have a problem saying that. Um, he, that guy has done, has worked so hard, so hard to undermine Trump at almost every opportunity. Um, so, (laughs) um, so, so anyway, you know, we can disagree, we can disagree on this stuff, but what is bothering me is that I feel like people are getting their heads filled with, um, things that aren't possible. Um, you know, I, I would love somebody better than McCarthy. I, I would love it guys. I'm not trying to tell you that McCarthy is great. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that McCarthy is, um, a MAGA, uh, stalwart or that he's some icon of, um, conservatism. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that, but what I am trying to tell you and what I've have been trying to say is that McCarthy is the best we're going to get right now. The numbers are the numbers. The, the numbers are just the numbers. It's it's really not any more complicated than that. You know, people people want McCarthy to be more conservative than he is, but if he was more conservative than he is, then he wouldn't be leader or speaker. The person who's going to be leader or speaker in the GOP has to be someone who can work both sides. It has to be someone who can work with people that are moderates and that are on the left and who are the rhinos. And it has to be someone who can work with freedom caucus and conservatives and MAGA on the right. The person who is the leader and who is becomes the speaker has to be someone who can get everybody to the table and agree on things. That's, that's just how it is. You have, that's the role. It's a, it's a managerial 
type role. Um, you're not going to get an ideologue as speaker. You're not. Not right now, anyway. If we had, you know, if if um, if we had a bunch more, if we had eighty more America First type Republicans in the House than we do currently, all right, yeah, we would have a really good chance of getting somebody much more conservative than McCarthy in there, right? But that's not the situation. The circumstances are the circumstances. Um, and there's no, there's no changing those circumstances right now. We are, we, these are the cards we hold in our hand. I would love to have a Royal flush right now, but we don't got it. Um, I've been trying, I've been racking my brain trying to think of as many analogies as I can to try and boil this situation down so that people think more logically and instead of with their emotions. And I want to say that I've been thinking with my emotions too. Okay. So some of my posting yesterday on my socials that got me in a little bit of trouble with people, I was coming from an emotional place. The people in my comments were coming from an emotional place and you know, that's, that happens. So, um, I'm not, I'm not over here saying that I I'm smarter than anybody um, or more less emotional than anybody. I was emotional yesterday too, but yeah, I, th- I think, I think lots of people are, are, are going with their emotions here. And I, I thank you for the rumble rant. Sammy, the squirrel. I see your comment. Um, I'm going to talk about Trump's endorsement of McCarthy more as we get into the show. And I agree with you. Jordan needs to be in the Judiciary Committee, and that's where Jordan wants to be. Jordan wants to be in the Judiciary Committee. Jordan is backing McCarthy. MTG is backing McCarthy. Um, And, you know, I see... Well, let's, let's just get into it a little bit. I don't know how... I don't know how um, many links I'm going to go through because uh, I don't want to wear this topic out. I think it, I think it is really important right now, but I don't want to. That's the wrong screen. I don't want to, you know, belabor this too much, and perhaps I already have. I'm really struggling to see the end game here. I. I one thing that that helps us is that you know the only people in the country who are aware that we don't currently have a speaker in the of the house right now are nerds like us who pay attention to this this stuff you know the average american in fact i would say more than 80 85% of america probably probably 90% of america does not know that we are without a speaker right now You know, it's really only us who are aware of this. So the damage publicly, optics-wise, isn't all that grave. You know, it's not like there's a ton of uh, um, damage that's being done. But there is, there, there's a lot of potential for damage. And that's another place that I'm coming from here is that I'm worried that 
we're going to end up doing some serious damage and we're going to, I see, I, I see yesterday, I see yesterday as an act of self-sabotage. Um, I see yesterday as an act of self-sabotage. Republicans sabotaging themselves. And really, it's only about, really, it's less than 20. There's a bunch of go-alongs. It's more like five to 10 Republicans who sabotage the GOP on day one of controlling the House, in my opinion. Um, Let's hear, let's hear from AOC. I mean, um, MTG. Let's hear from MTG real quick. Let me make sure that I got my volume not too high on this. I don't want to uh, blow your ears out. Yeah, you know what, Steve? Here, let me tell everyone. You know what people might not like right now is that I'm telling them the truth. What do you want? Do you want me to sit on your show and lie to everyone? Because if that's what you want from Marjorie Taylor Greene, you are never going to get it. I refuse to lie to anyone. And simply right now, because the base doesn't like what I'm telling them, it doesn't mean that it's not the truth. I'm telling you 100% the truth, because that is my job. That's the only thing I want to do. I want to rip it all wide open. You know what I am? why I'm upset? Because Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert and Scott Perry, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, walked in Kevin McCarthy's office last night and made their own personal demands for which subcommittee chairmanships they want to have. Just to frame this up a bit. The negotiation with McCarthy in the GOP and the the internal the internal negotiations that have been going on within the GOP since November 8th have been playing out and and Kevin McCarthy has promised all sorts of things to the conservative side. He has agreed to put um Jim Jordan as chair of the judiciary. He's agreed to restore all of MTG's committee assignments. He's agreed to change the rules to be more what the conservative side wants. He's agreed to investigations. He's agreed to all sorts of changes that the um, America First and Freedom Caucus wanted. Okay? This negotiation has been ongoing for weeks and weeks. And they already had an agreement as of last weekend. On Sunday... They already had an agreement of how things were going to be. They already shifted Kevin McCarthy towards what the Freedom Caucus wanted. And most importantly, they got the agreement that it would only take five votes of no confidence or five members. Excuse me. It would only take five members to stand up and say, we don't like how Kevin McCarthy is running this. We vote for Kevin McCarthy to vacate the speaker's chair. So that means Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy is on a leash of just five people. So if in a month from now, Gates, Bobert, Scott Perry, Chip Roy, and uh, someone at Biggs say those five had a problem with how Kevin McCarthy ran the house in the first month or so, those five could stand up in Congress and say, we vote to tr- we 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 move to uh, vote for uh, the speaker to vacate the chair. 
That's the that's the leash that Kevin McCarthy is on. People are saying Kevin McCarthy can't be trusted. He ne- he he's we don't believe him. Whatever the rules package was already agreed. On Sunday night, the rules package was agreed. Committee assignments were agreed. They had everything sewn up and ready to go. And then Monday morning, MTG, everybody shows up to vote, and they find out that these five or so Republicans have been going to McCarthy and trying to get their own deal outside of the deal that the entire Republican conference agreed to. In my opinion, that's pretty shitty. And who they want on committees and who they want taken off committees. And guess what? The chairman of the Freedom Caucus negotiated nothing for me. Nothing for me. And I'll back this up even further. I read text messages. I read text messages from these people. But hang on. But this, was, this wasn't said. personal. So, this wasn't personal. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Go ahead. No, go I ahead. really need to say this. People need to understand that this is one vote. Do you know where all the fights really are? We have to get to 218 on every single bill we pass. We have to get to 218 to actually make anything happen on the House floor. And out of 222 members, that is practically impossible. That's where my power is. That's where every single conservative has power is with our voting card. And if anyone thinks that this is the hill to die on, they are absolutely wrong because every single bill that we have to go in there, we have to fight for conservative principles. We have to fight for America first on these bills. And that is what I am dedicated to do. It's not about the person we put in there as speaker. It's about fighting for the right things for our country. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. She's 100 percent right. And she had more to say when she arrived. Let me get the volume up on this one because it's a little bit lower. I've been pointing to his public record uh, because that's what I've been able to support this entire time. Um, not not anything talked about privately behind closed doors. The public record, uh, the entire agenda that's on his website, the things he talks about and, and all of the press conferences he has uh, on the news, on his social media, that, that agenda is exactly what the base uh, supports. The same base that the people that are against Kevin right now, uh, they're, they're lying to the base. But they're, they're not telling them this is what Kevin McCarthy is saying he wants to do. Because if they would talk about that, then, then it's an easy yes. It's so simple. Yeah. Have you noticed how the people that are against Kevin McCarthy right now aren't talking at all about how far Kevin McCarthy moved towards them in the negotiations that have been going on since November 8th? They're not explaining to anybody how what the state of things are going into this. They're presenting to people, to the public, as if nothing has been agreed to. They keep calling it the status quo. They keep saying that we're just going to have the status quo and nothing's going to change. It's going to go right back to the swamp. Gates had this clever line about how if you want to drain the swamp, you can't put the biggest alligator in. That's such a BS line. McCarthy is not the biggest alligator in the swamp. I mean, that, that's just. It's just it's disin, they're being disingenuous. 
They're being disingenuous. And the problem is if I come out, me coming out and saying that to a lot of people, they automatically assume that I'm defending Kevin Carthy when I'm just trying to articulate the way things are. I'm not, I'm actually not trying to defend McCarthy. I'm trying to push back against false narratives and fake news. But people get locked into binary thinking. And if you don't, if you're not fully against someone, then that means you must be for them. And that's, that's not a good way to think about things. There has been changes and this, they've been working on this for weeks and weeks and week weeks. And here on the very first day, Republicans come out and immediately fall face flat, you know, just, just fall on the, on the just, just trip over themselves. Um, motion to vacate, it's been given with five members. And guess what? They are preemptively vacating the chair right now. So it's clear they're proving, they're proving the point by, st- by holding out and preventing him from having speaker votes with five members. They're proving that motion to vacate with five members is the right solution. So, so these are the things it's time for them to take the win because they've done a good job negotiating. Um, and it's time for us to be successful for the country. That's what I was saying. They're proving that the five vote thing that has already been agreed to that they negotiated ahead of time works. But they're, they're now saying that's not good enough. And that's why I kept posting yesterday the expression that they're make they're, these Republicans are making perfect the enemy of good. Perfect the enemy of good. That expression means that because things aren't perfectly like you want, you're, you're deciding I'm not going to accept how good they are. So you're throwing out, you're, there's something good on the table that you could accept, but because it's not perfect, you don't want anything at all. And that's why I kept saying this is pretty childish. We have been negotiating, talking, debating back and forth in our conference, trying to come to a really good rules package, and it's amazing. As a matter of fact, I'll quote Matt Gates. He said it's exquisite. That's what he said on our conference call on Sunday. Um, but in that conference meeting there, we found out that there were several members, three in fact, that went in uh, last night and were demanding positions for themselves demanding gavel positions, demanding uh, subcommittees, demanding for people to be taken off committees and people to be put on committees. Three, three Republicans out of our 222. I want you all to know I have not done that for myself. The only thing I have done is is debate and, and, and request and argue amongst my peers for the right things for the rules package and for our agenda for the American people. And that's the only thing I've done. I haven't asked for one thing for my for myself. And I'm the only Republican that has zero committees. So you would think I would be the one in there asking for something. But I haven't done that. But I find out that it's my uh, Freedom Caucus colleagues and my supposed friends that went and did that. And they asked nothing for me. Nothing. That's what I found out in there. I'm furious. Well, let me tell you something. While the conservatives at the base supports and believes in let me let me remind everyone they're not perfect either scott perry before his general election refused to vote uh against the bill that was all about the gay marriage bill he didn't but he he refused to vote against it he voted for it then when it came back around after his election he was able to vote against it 
conservatives would not like that. Let me remind every, everyone this. Matt Gates, who has compared Kevin McCarthy to Paul Ryan, my friend Matt Gates, he supported Paul Ryan almost more than anyone. It's still on his social media. As a matter of fact, his first vote in Congress was for Paul Ryan as speaker. And then he cheered him on for nearly a year and a half or more when people like me were at home furious at Paul Ryan's speakership because it wasn't passing the MAGA agenda that we all supported. Chip Roy, he refused to object on January 6th. That's not what our base wanted. He also set out the vote for the January 6th committee. There's many more. Bob Good, $2 million from Kevin McCarthy to get elected. Lauren Boebert, under $2 million from Kevin McCarthy to get elected. Many more people have taken Kevin McCarthy's money to get elected, and then there's a few of them that don't want to support him. 17 of the 20 people who are hard-nosed against Kevin McCarthy took money from Kevin McCarthy and negotiated with Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the Republicans for how they were going to start Congress yesterday, and then on Sunday night, changed it all up. Or, excuse me, Monday night, changed it all up. Back, I mean, it's so shitty. It's so shitty. So imagine that. This is not anything about the country. This is all about never Kevin. They just don't like Kevin McCarthy. You cannot be successful in anything if you aren't able to walk in a room, make your make what you want, and get a deal done, and then walk away with the W and get to work and not worry about who you like and who you don't like. This is not about prom king. This is not about a pastor. This is about electing a person to sit in the speaker chair so that we can all get to work. And out of 222 Republicans, let me remind everyone, there's 218 votes to get something passed. That means all of us are powerful, every single faction in the Republican Party. So there's not going to be a tiny little group that is going to demand their way because they want subcommittee chairs and they want certain power positions. That is not how this works. And that is the worst thing they can do for the country. And I'm furious over it. And I'm- Karma, I don't know how you can be mad at MTG and say she's the one causing division. When it's the 20, it's Gates and Perry and Chip Roy and all those others who are actually dividing. They made an agreement going into this and then reneged on their agreement 24 hours before they took, they went to the floor. They're the ones who are dividing. They already got what they wanted. And then at the very last moment decided it wasn't good enough. And because they've done that now, MTG, see, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is the danger This is the danger that we are in. If it's not McCarthy and the agreement that was already made that all these Republicans agreed to before this week, then it all has to be negotiated again. Then it all has to be negotiated again. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't someone it's it's not like if it's not Kevin McCarthy and it's someone else, then suddenly everything is cool and they get started. If it's not Kevin McCarthy and the agreement that everybody made going into this week with what the rules are going to be and who's going to be on committees and who's going to be a chairs and what's going to be the uh, procedures and all of this stuff. They got to negotiate all of that stuff again. It's and this is the other real threat. 
Democrats are already talking about a power sharing agreement. And coalition leadership. And this is this is a very real. This is a very real threat. This is a very real threat. Yeah, but karma, the time to voice that concern was over the past nine to 12 weeks, and that's what they did. They negotiated amongst their conference for how they were going to run the House. Already, they already had an agreement. And then on day one, this group of five to 10 just blew that up. Blew that up, which means they all negotiated in bad faith. Let's say you have a business partner and you and your business partner have worked together for nine to 12 weeks on what your business plan was going to be and who was going to be serving in what department and what the rules and what the procedures were going to be for your business. And then 24 hours before the first day of your business opens, your business partner gathers up three or four other people that work for you and decides they want to change everything up. And if they don't get their way, then they're just not going to, they're just not going to work for you anymore. Wouldn't you fire them? Wouldn't you be offended by that? I mean, pe- people are not, <laughs> y'all are not, not, people are not thinking right now. People are playing, ch- playing checkers, playing checkers. And it's really dangerous. We need to be playing chess right now. There's a serious risk right now. That the GOP is going to lose control of the House before they ever even have it. Don Jr., we all want House leadership to be as conservative as possible. But I'm not okay with throwing House leadership to Dems and never Trumpers. Being fine with Hakeem Jeffries becoming Speaker simply out of spite for McCarthy isn't what any Republican voted for in November. And if you don't know, that is what Matt Gates said. Matt Gates said that he is okay with, with Hakeem Jeffries becoming speaker. He said he is a no on McCarthy. He doesn't care if it means that the GOP loses control of the House. In a private meeting yesterday, Gates, Boebert, Perry told McCarthy they want their own legal entity in the House to wage lawsuits. The group also told McCarthy that they don't mind if the Speaker vote goes to plurality and Rep. Jeffries is elected because they'll fight him. And Matt Gates reiterated this yesterday. See, this is this is real. This is a real danger here. This is why I got pissed off yesterday. Because these this small group of Republicans, to the applause, to the applause of so many people in MAGA, are willing to burn down the GOP unless they get their way. And it should piss you off, too. 
Don Trump Jr., hearing that we could end up with a never-Trumper or Demis speaker, McCarthy committed to a select committee on the politicization of the federal law enforcement and real investigations into the Biden admin and the border. But we won't get any of that with a never-Trumper as speaker. If See, this, this is what we could have, guys. This is what we could have. We could have right now today, we could have McCarthy as speaker and we could have all, we could have Jim Jordan as chair of the judiciary. We could have all of MTG's committees, committee memberships restored. We could have the Freedom Caucus members and the most conservative, see, the most conservative people in Congress right now could have more power than they've had since the 90s. That's the agreement that was made before this week. The agreement that was made amongst Republicans before this week was that the conservative element of the GOP in the House was set to have more power and more influence in the House than they have had since Newt Gingrich was Speaker. And Matt Gates, Chip Roy, and Bober and others blew all that up. And if they hadn't done that, they could already be to work. We could be talk, guys, we could be talking about an investigation into J6, into the border, into DHS, into Hunter Biden beginning next week. If not for Matt Gates and Bobert and that crew. Instead of taking the good deal that we had, they're throwing it all out. And they're already saying they don't care if it means Republicans lose control and nobody gets committee memberships and everybody ends off worse off. They don't care. They've decided they're going to be arsonist. And so I, I know that, um, some folks have said, well, there's there's no chance that this will ever, that anybody will ever, that Hakeem Jeffries will ever, ever get it. That's not a thing that can happen. I heard that over and over again yesterday, and I can tell you that that is incorrect. There are two times in the history of the U.S. House that it has gone to plurality. And this is what, this is, these are the two instances right here. In two instances, the House agreed to choose and subsequently did choose a speaker by a plurality of votes, but confirmed the choice by majority vote. In 1849, the House had been in session for 19 days without being able to elect a speaker, no candidate having received a majority of the votes cast. The voting was viva voce, meaning by voice, each member responding to the roll, call of roll by naming the candidate for whom he voted, just like we saw yesterday. Finally, after the 59th ballot, the House got tired of it and adopted a resolution declaring that a speaker could be elected by plurality. In 1856, the House again struggled over the election of a speaker. Ballots numbering 129 had been taken without any candidate receiving a majority of the votes cast. The House then adopted a resolution permitting the election to be decided by a plurality. 
On both of these occasions, the House ratified the plurality election by a majority vote. Everything that's happening in the House right now, because nothing has been agreed to and no rules have been set, they're operating on bare bones rules and every single thing, including whether they want lunch or they want music at lunch or they want whatever, like if they want a bathroom break, everything has to be done by majority vote right now, 218. And what can very easily happen here is if this stalemate goes on, for too long and reps get tired of not being able to get a majority. They can then vote to ah, let's just do it by plurality who guys who won every vote yesterday. Who won, who won every vote vote yesterday? Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries had more votes than anybody each, each ballot yesterday. And it could easily happen that the 212 Democrats and just six Republicans decide we're tired of this. We want it to go to plurality and are able to vote for that. And then they vote by plurality. Hakeem Jeffries wins it, the plurality vote. And then all they need is for 218 to agree to that. It doesn't take six Republicans to defect and vote for a Democrat to become speaker. It takes six Republicans to decide they're tired of the of this infighting and that they just want to move on. They don't have to defect and vote for a Democrat. They just have to decide that we've we've done this enough. Let's just move on. And then everything that the Republicans have negotiated and everything we've been working for over the past two years to try and get all these conservatives and MAGA people into Congress is completely undone. And there's no investigations of the border. There's no investigations of Hunter Biden. Very, very dangerous game here. John Kasich says a block of House Republicans should get together with Democrats to pick a speaker to run a coalition government, which will moderate the House and marginalize the extremist. That's what they want. There's a contingent here that is working very hard to try and pull some swampy Republicans together with some swampy Democrats, get a plurality vote, and then form some sort of coalition government that ends up marginalizing the Trump-supporting representatives that we want in there. And then they'll have no power. Trump reiterated this morning... that it's time to take the win. Some really good conversations took place last night. Donald Trump called Kevin McCarthy last night and reiterated to Kevin that he supports him for speaker. And Trump posted this morning, it's time for our great Republican House members to vote for Kevin 
close the deal, take the victory, and watch crazy Nancy Pelosi fly back home. So uh, I've I've made my point. I'm going to move on to a different topic here pretty soon. I've made my point. I think I think far too many people are playing checkers here and are thinking with their emotions. And I think a bunch of y'all are uh, believing the fake news media on the conservative side. There's so much. There's so much fake news on the conservative incorporated side. And people keep messaging me and saying, "Why is Trump supporting McCarthy? Why is Trump doing this and that?" Well, I think you should check your premises. If your premise is that McCarthy is a rhino, if your premise is that McCarthy is no better than a Democrat, you're wrong. You're wrong. If you're wondering why Trump is endorsing McCarthy, it's because of all the options we have right now, McCarthy's the best one. Doesn't mean you have to like him. Doesn't mean he's the most conservative guy. Doesn't even mean he's MAGA in the slightest. But he's the best option on the table right now. There aren't enough votes for Jim Jordan, and Jim Jordan doesn't want it. There aren't enough votes for Donald Trump, and Donald Trump doesn't want it. There aren't enough votes for Andy Biggs. I I don't know. I don't know why people can't see this. Well, actually, I do kind of know. It's because they believe bullshit fake news, like Kevin McCarthy being roommates with Frank Luntz, which is bullshit. During COVID lockdowns, Kevin McCarthy rented a room at a property that Frank Luntz owned for three months. Big whoop. Nobody's telling you that Kevin McCarthy is some conservative ideologue. Yeah, but I, I can read the room and I can see that people aren't agreeing with me because number of reasons that I've already put out. So we'll move on to a different topic here in a little while. We're either, hopefully things, hopefully things all work out and they go ahead and put McCarthy in as speaker and the Republicans can get to work without doing any more harm than they already have done. So Sam Bankman fried appeared in court. They had their, their first conference uh, yesterday in the SDNY um, this is a pretty short thread right here. I'm just going to go ahead and read it from inner city press who does a great job. Mark Cohen here is a uh, SBF's lawyer and uh SBF pled not guilty to all charges. It makes me happy. Makes me happy because I want to, I want a trial. I, I want a trial. 
um, we're, we'll get lots of information. So many things will become public and I think it'll be really entertaining. I, and I, and I want him to get convicted of all these counts. Right. So I want a trial. Um, but I, excuse me, but I also think that I, I also think that it, this may not go to trial. I, I kind of think he's pleading not guilty for now. And then as things progress, that he's going to end up getting a plea deal or at least tr- he's going to try for one for sure. Um, Cause this guy's facing the rest of his life in prison. I mean, hell maybe because he's decided he's going to get convicted, he might as well fight it just to have the fight just to, you know, go out fighting or something. I don't know. Um, his lawyers may want to take it to trial so they can take, they can make a bunch of money off of this case, you know? And so that they can get a lot of screen time um, and media time to uh, help promote themselves. So, but, but I think that, or anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't actually make it to trial because there is some sort of plea agreement. Anyway, he pleads not guilty. The judge is Kaplan and the judge says, thank you. I received this morning, a letter seeking to redact the names and other identity identifying information. Um, what is, what is meant by this? Mr. Cohen, Mr. Cohen wants names and addresses redacted. Judge Kaplan says, I will grant that request without prejudice. And what this is, is the names um, and addresses of people who helped put up money for the bond. And there's a bit of contention about this because, you know, should, should it be secret who helped put up the $250 million of the bond? I'm not really sure. Other people, uh, the best argument I've seen is that it, this, the, the U S attorney should have at least opposed this just for the sake of this, not becoming the norm with stuff like this. So even if they, their emotion was denied, they should, the U S attorney should have opposed it just for the sake of it. But here's what it is. The U.S. attorney says Alameda essentially had an unlimited line of credit on the exchange. Customer money was used to repay billions. Money was also devoted to political contributions. This occurred with the defendant's knowledge and at his direction. He attempted to raise billions of dollars from equity investors after tweets from the CEO of Binance. He tried to lull with the tweets in the next week. This is the most important part, and this is the part that I'm told that X-22 uh, featured on his show last night. Shout out to Dave. Appreciate you putting me on your show last night. In the next week, we anticipate making a large discovery production, including from banks and political campaigns. So that's awesome. In the next week, the U S attorney is going to turn over to SBF's attorney, some discovery having to do with political campaigns that SBF donated to, which means that a bunch of political campaigns have been contacted and, and by DOJ and DOJ has told them, give us all your accounting information on all the money you took from FTX and Alameda. That doesn't mean that we're going to get to see it right now, but we could. We could get some, we could, we could get some crumbs of it, you know, um, good stuff. A really good sign here. 
Judge Kaplan says, this is from companies other than the companies with which the defendant was affiliated. U.S. Attorney says, yes, and on a rolling basis. The U.S. Attorney also said the AWS database of FTX, and the judge says, what? AWS? What's that? U.S. Attorney says, Amazon Web Services. We do not have custody of the complete database, but we will work to comply with our discovery obligations. Judge, when will you be finished? U.S. Attorney says, the bulk in two weeks and all of it in four weeks. We'd like to propose a trial date in September or or October of this year. Defense Attorney Cohen says, we defer to the court, but we'd like September or October. The judge says, I took it to mean that there would be more materials, devices, and accounts that need to be rendered intelligible. How long for a trial? U.S. Attorney says, four weeks. Defense Attorney says, two to three weeks. So Judge Kaplan says, all right, I'm going to set the trial date for October 2nd of 2023. I may move that a day or so later or earlier, but that's what I'm shooting for. So October 2nd of this year is when SBF is scheduled to go to trial as of right now. Let the defense propose then to file their motions. If we agree the information Uh, Or if we get the information by the end of February, we propose filing our motions by the end of April, if that works for the court. Judge says, okay, well, let's make that April April 3rd deadline for motions, April 24th deadline for responses, and May 8th for replies. So it looks like discovery phase is going to be coming over the uh, next couple weeks. And then in April, we're going to get a bunch of motions and going into, into May. Judge says, okay, May 18th, let's set that for a conference. We'll exclude the the Speedy Trial Act, blah, 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 victim notification. They want to set up a website because there's so many victims um, of uh, of SBF. There's so many victims. You don't, it would take forever to send out notices to everyone. So they're just going to make a website that victims can go to. And uh, that'll work. FTX was the second largest exchange, millions of people. So it does just doesn't make sense to do anything other than a website. Judge agrees. Let's see. Next thing. U.S. Attorney, the access of Alameda wallets. We do not have evidence that it was the defendant. Even in a few days, additional assets could be accessed. It's hard to understand that they won't agree to the condition. He was tweeted. He has tweeted falsely before. He transferred assets to foreign regulators. Knowing of the U.S. bankruptcy case, he thought the foreign regulators would be more lenient. So we feel a new condition is justified. The judge asked, it would address transferring of what? U.S. attorney says assets purchased with FTX funds. So the judge says, okay, I impose that condition. I view it was warranted. Defense attorney wants to respond. The judge says, why don't we save it until you are back before the court on this, But I, I, which I hope won't be necessary. The defense attorney says, well, he's been ordered by the, the Bahamas court to, and the judge interrupts and says, that's not material. And the judge says, what's the status of any agreement on the signing of bond by two additional persons? U.S. attorney said, we have yet to set up the interviews, but we will in the next day or so. This is with insolvency proceeding first, Delaware or Bahamas. Cohen says the Bahamas are proceeding first. U.S. attorney says, I'm no bankruptcy expert. But my understanding is that the Bahamian 
proceeding was filed in anticipation of the Delaware bankruptcy. Judge says, okay, all right, well, we're adjourned. So the short of it is trial date in October and the headline or the big bombshell in this is that there's a giant chunk of discovery coming from banks and political campaigns that SBF, FTX, Alameda, and their execs donated to. I'm not, I'm not so sure that the people, the FTX, the political campaigns that he donated to are going to, uh, you know, come away free and clear here as victims. I think that, um, most of them will because SBF gave money to everybody. Um, SBF gave money to, in some cases, SBF gave money to both candidates in the same race just because he was hedging his bets that whichever one ended up being elected, he could then have influence over because he gave the guy five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars or whatever in the primary or, or, or in the general election. He was just trying to buy influence everywhere. I mean, the majority of people, I think it, I think it's the majority of people who are in Congress now got money from SBF in some way, but that doesn't mean they solicited it. That doesn't mean they went to him and asked for the money. Um, he's just giving money out, (laughs) uh, because he's trying to buy influence, but I would reckon that there are some people, some political Entities, um, organizations, PACs, 501c3s, whatever, who lobbied him for money, who knew that things were not on the up and up with with SBF and took money anyway. And I bet DOJ is finding that out. So I I think there's there's going to be a trickle down effect from what's going on with, with FTX and SBF. I think most political candidates are going to be free and clear because they just got a check. He sent him a check hoping to get influence later on, but uh, the ones that went to him and lobbied for it, um, it'll be interesting to see how many of them uh, were aware that this was not, this guy was not doing things legally. All right. Story went around earlier this, I think it was over the weekend. Maybe it was Monday. Yeah, I think it was Monday. Virgin Islands. Attorney General loses her job days after suing J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, remember, there's already another lawsuit that I've been covering, um, which is victims of Epstein who are suing J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank for uh, profiting off of Epstein and that they did it knowingly. They were completely aware that Epstein was committing illegal activity and they didn't care. They were interested in making money off of him and they profited from his activity and covered it up. That's a different lawsuit. Uh, That lawsuit has been, those two have been combined. The, The Deutsche Bank one and the JP Morgan one, it's the same victims who are suing together. So that the judge has combined those two lawsuits. I'll check here in a minute to see if there's anything new on that docket. 
but with this one, this is set completely separate. This is the attorney general of the Virgin Islands who launched her own lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase. Virgin Islands top prosecutor who reached a reached a more than one. This is the same one who reached a hundred and five million dollar settlement with Epstein's estate earlier or middle of last year. Maybe it was. I can't remember exactly. It was last year. Uh, anyway, she lost her job a few days after launching this lawsuit. The law. She filed the lawsuit in New York and said the bank had facilitated, sustained, and concealed Epstein's human trafficking network. On December 27th, Virgin Islands Attorney General Denise George filed a blistering and heavily redacted 30-page lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase. Quote, J.P. Morgan turned a blind eye to evidence of human trafficking over more than a decade because of Epstein's own financial footprint and because of the deals and clients that Epstein brought and promised to bring to the bank. These decisions were advocated and approved at the senior level of J.P. Morgan, including by the former chief executive of its asset management division and investment bank, whose inappropriate relationship with Epstein should have been evident to the bank. Indeed, it was only after Epstein's death that J.P. Morgan belatedly complied with federal banking regulations regarding Epstein's accounts. Epstein victims who sued anonymously in a pair of class action lawsuits that I just mentioned um, have accused the bank of both banks of complicity in sex trafficking, though Epstein died in jail, blah, blah, blah. Allegedly he died in jail. I don't believe he's dead actually. Um, I think that he, uh, I think, I think he rolled and, uh, I think his death is a cover story. Anyway, days after the AG's filing of lawsuit on New Year's Eve, the AG George was removed from her post. Local news outlets in the Virgin Islands reported that the attorney general had not informed the territory's governor, Albert Bryan, about her impending enforcement action. George's office did not immediately respond to law crimes email. The development was first reported by the Virgin Island Consortium, citing anonymous sources. Bryan subsequently confirmed George's termination without providing an explanation for it. He just said, I relieved her of her duties. And I thank her for her service. The governor, the governor's spokesman declined to elaborate, telling law and crime, quote, I am not at liberty to discuss details on the personnel matter. Now, Brian reportedly appointed attorney, assistant attorney general Carol Thomas Jacobs to serve as acting attorney general. Thomas Jacobs, who also did not immediately respond also worked on the Epstein investigation, court documents show. George had led the office when Thomas Jacobs signed her name to a complaint suing Epstein's estate under the Territory's Criminal Influence and Corruption Organization Act. The action accused the estate's executors, Indyke and Kahn, of acting as as Epstein's indispensable captains. Both denied those allegations and did not concede wrongdoing under the recent settlement, which called upon the estate to keep providing documents for the Attorney General's ongoing investigation. That's something I missed back when that settlement happened. I missed that part of the settlement was that they would con- the state of Epstein would continue providing documents to the attorney general for an ongoing investigation. That seems pretty important. And I'm, um, I'm sorry I missed that. 
<laughs> that's I had no idea that that was part of the settlement that they were going to keep providing evidence to them. The case that George filed against J.P. Morgan Chase before her departure has been marked as related to the proposed action um, against J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank that's currently pending. It has a trial date set for June, I believe, if I remember correctly. Now, most people immediately said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Virgin Islands Attorney General sues J.P. Morgan Chase Bank over the Epstein scandal. Then Joe Biden and his family go to the Virgin Islands for Christmas and New Year's Eve, or actually just for New Year's Eve. And within a couple days, suddenly she's been fired. And I saw lots of clips of people saying, remember when Joe Biden went to Ukraine and talked about getting the prosecutor in Ukraine fired? And then here he is going to the Virgin Islands and seemingly coinciding with him being there. The prosecutor there gets fired. So. No such thing as coincidences that Joe Biden and his administration go to the Virgin Islands and rub elbows with the bo- the powers that be in the Virgin Islands to get this prosecutor fired who just filed this case against J.P. Morgan Chase over Epstein. <laughs> I am undone. <laughs> well, son of a bitch, <laughs> she got fired. That's right, Michelle Levine. Well, son of a bitch, she got fired. Yeah. That's what a lot of people think. I want to posit to you that I don't think that's what it is, although I'm not dismissing the possibility. Okay. I'm not dismissing the possibility, but I think a stronger case can be made. And that stronger case for why it happened is in this article from the Virgin Islands newspaper, Daily News. Check this out. Governor Albert Bryan, that's the governor of the Virgin Islands, okay? His last name's Bryan. He fired the attorney general, whose last name is George, and appointed the assistant attorney general, whose name is Thomas Jacobs, okay? This section right here is a repeat of stuff we already talked about, so I'm going to skip that. I'm going to scroll down here to this section, okay? Listen carefully. Governor Bryan appointed Attorney General George as Attorney General after he took office in 2019. And since January 2020, George has spent considerable time in Justice Department resources pursuing another civil suit against Epstein's estate, which we just talked about, which claimed his attorneys and associates fraudulently obtained tax benefits from the Virgin Islands government through the Economic Development Authority. Okay, that's another entity I'm introducing into conversation, the Economic Development Authority, okay? That lawsuit, which is cited and attached as an exhibit to the J.P. Morgan claim, was recently settled for $105 million, plus half the proceeds of the sale of the Little St. James Island, which is listed for $55 million. The estate and its co-executors 
Indyke and Khan denied all allegations of wrongdoing. Since he purchased Little St. James in 1998, Epstein and his companies made numerous charitable contributions to schools and organizations throughout the territory and had connections to officials in various roles. Former First Lady Cecil DeJong served as office manager of Epstein's St. Thomas-based Southern Trust Company for 20 years. Let's tell you that again. The former First Lady of the Virgin Islands served as an office manager for Epstein Southern Trust Company for 20 years. Brian, the governor, the current governor of the Virgin Islands, was serving as chairman of the Economic Development Commission at the same time that DeJong's husband was governor of the Virgin Islands and signed off on the most recent certificate for Southern Trust in 2014, which granted Epstein a 90% exemption from from Virgin Island income taxes and a 100% exemption from gross receipts and excise taxes. First Lady, the current First Lady, Yolanda Bryan is currently employed by the Economic Development Commission and was hired for $75,000 a year as a business ambassador in 2019, a position that was created after her husband was elected as governor. Prior to Stacey Plaskett's election as Virginia or as Virgin Island delegate to Congress 2015. So the delegate to our Congress from the Virgin Islands since 2015 served as general counsel for that same economic development commission from 2007 to 2012. It was during that time that Epstein was convicted of child sex crimes in Florida and served in 18 18-month sentence in that state and registered as a sex offender, all while while receiving tax exemptions from the Virgin Island government. The Virgin Island Justice Department is responsible for monitoring sex offenders like Epstein, but apparently failed to uncover or investigate reports that he was bringing victims to the territory for the purpose of sexual exploitation. George didn't pursue any legal action. The current governor, the current governor of the Virgin Islands did not pursue any legal action against Epstein until after he died by suicide in in August, 2019. A month before his death, the current governor of the Virgin Islands, George told the daily news that there was no, no reason for her to investigate Epstein. Actually the, the current, um, Attorney General told the Daily News there was no reason for her to investigate Epstein, despite at least one victim uh, coming forward publicly. George said at the time that an investigation can only be launched if someone files a criminal complaint or a peace officer observes suspicious activity. While at least one victim said in a civil lawsuit in New York that she was sexually abused at Epstein's home in the Virgin Islands, George said that information was not sufficient to launch an investigation. 
George filed the civil lawsuit against Epstein's estate about five months after his death, following financial settlements, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I know that people think that it must be Joe Biden who got this attorney general fired. I don't think so. I think that the corrupt government of the Virgin Islands is corrupt. And they were already doing corrupt things to cover up Epstein. And they already got this settlement. And I think her move to sue J.P. Morgan Chase upset the powers that be in the Virgin Islands all on its own. And they were they fired her. I don't buy this line about how she didn't know, you know, this, this, there was that line in that first story about how she didn't notify them that she filed this lawsuit without notifying the current governor. I bet she did that because she knew if he found out about it, he would fire, he would tell her, no, he would tell her, don't do that. So she went, she, she did the classic thing where you go ahead and do something and ask for permission later. (laughs) I think that's what she did. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Biden visiting there is what triggered this, but, but I'd like, I very much like that Biden was there on the Island when this happened or around this time frame because we can go ahead and use this as a point, as a, as a launch point to bring up Biden's famous son of a bitch <laughs> comment. Um, so I don't mind at all that this provides us the opportunity to remind people that Biden got the prosecutor in Ukraine fired and to present this as, I wonder if he did the same thing here in the Virgin islands, you know, like it, I just think it's hilarious that, he, I, that he was there. I find it useful. Um, but I think it has more to do with, uh, with their already the governor they're already being corrupt and having ties to Epstein and his uh his his work there. So all right. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna save this one for last. I'm gonna save this one for last. I got one more thing. Uh two more two we got three more things, but there's one of them I'm gonna save for last. All right, let me get these two short ones out real quick. Uh, since I'm being, uh, since I'm kind of going against the the stream of uh, uh, thinking, being a bit of a contrarian, or I feel like a contrarian. Um, going to go ahead and point this. this is making Trump was uh, put this out yesterday, and lots of people were sharing this story about DOJ hiding hundreds of Hunter Biden, James Biden records, lawyer claims. So this is a classic fake news story, in my opinion. Classic fake news. At Colorado, and you, you can you can tell it's it's fake news by the headline, but I'll show you in a minute. A Colorado lawyer says the Justice Department is trying to conceal hundreds of potentially responsive documents about gifts received by first son Hunter Biden and his uncle James Biden from contacts in China, Russia, and Ukraine. According to a new report on Monday, Kevin Evans sued the Justice Department in March after he said the agency failed to comply with a Freedom of Information Act request for records about the overseas business relationships of Joe Biden's son and brother. 
Evans says that he sought the document, quote, pertaining to any relationship, communication, gifts, and or remuneration in any form from China, Russia, or Ukraine. He said lawyers for the federal government admitted in the court in court to having at least 400 pages of potentially responsive documents that are now they're now saying they can neither confirm nor deny exist. He says they eventually produced about 60 pages of documents, but they're all letters from senators and congressmen asking about Hunter and letters from the DOJ back. Then towards the end of last year, they said, we have these 400 pages of potentially responsive documents. We need to review them. After a few months, Evans said the government came back and says, well, we can neither confirm or deny whether or not they are responsive. Evans said he initially filed the FOIA in November 2020 after reading about the uh, laptop story and all of Hunter's connections. All right, I'm going to tell you why this is fake news. The headline is fake. Okay. I mean, it's, is it literally true that DOJ is hiding hundreds of documents? Yes, it's literally true. Is it literally true that DOJ said we have 400 pages of potentially responsive documents and can neither confirm nor deny that they exist now? Yes, that's literally true. But the narrative that's coming out is that they're hiding it because they're bad. They're not complying with the FOIA request because they're trying to bury Hunter Biden and James Biden's crimes. That's the fake part. DOJ can't give you evidence in ongoing investigations. These 400 documents that they said are potentially responsive and then went on to say later, we can neither confirm nor deny they exist. That tells you that these documents are part of an ongoing investigation. And we already know that Hunter and James Biden are under investigation by U.S. Attorney Weiss. So FOIA is awesome. I love FOIA. You can get all sorts of things by FOIA. And I, I'm glad that people file FOIA cases to try and get documents for us to read and share around. But you can't get evidence that's being used in ongoing investigations. You can't FOIA evidence. And that's the real story here to me is that there are at least, it says at least 400 pages of potentially responsive documents related to Hunter and James Biden's overseas communications, relationships, and gifts. And the fact that DOJ now says we can't confirm or deny them tells me the investigation is still going. That's like, that's the subtext of this story. But of course, the narrative that that conservative incorporated runs with is, Gerd, DOJ bad, they're burying the crimes of the Biden family, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that's the main story here. All right, real quick, another CCP agent has been sentenced for conspiracy to commit economic espionage, this time against General um, Electric, stealing their trade secrets. He was sentenced in New York. And um, what was his sentence? 
24 months in prison. He worked for GE, GE from 2008 and, until the summer of 2018. So just another quick data point about how DOJ is going after these um, these Chinese agents who are trying to commit economic espionage against our country, and I'm happy to see it. All right, before I do the last before I do the last one, I said I was going to check the uh, J.P. Morgan Chase lawsuit to see if there was anything new. Let me check that real quick, and then we have then I'll do the last story. Um, that's the that's the J.P. Morgan one, the Deutsche one. These lawsuits have been combined, but I can't remember which docket is the one that they're all going to be pointing to now. Um, no, nothing new. On right before New Year's Eve, they filed a motion to dismiss, but it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be dismissed. So, all right. Okay. Last story. This is from Undead Foya. So shout out to him. Um, even though he uh don't agree with this guy on many things, he is he is a good he is a good digger. Um And he found something. He found something Joffe-related. I don't agree with his take on it, but we're going to check this out. Joffe is suing Newstar. Undead Foyer writes, I came across a lawsuit that Rodney Joffe has filed against Newstar seeking $2.6 million for his legal fees stemming from the Alpha Bank civil case the Durham investigation, and the Trump-RICO lawsuit. He is arguing his actions were taken on behalf of Newstar related to the Alpha Bank allegations and other investigations. Another way he's saying that I got in trouble, but in defending myself, I was actually defending Newstar, so Newstar owes me $2.6 million in legal fees. It's an expensive docket at $40 to $127 per document but I grabbed a, f- a few a few for us to look at. So much of the focus is on requests for expedition to speed it up. Uh, the most interesting files were done under seal, so you can't get access to those. However, this part's important. The Durham Grand Jury investigation ended for Joffe in October 2022. Stop right there. Have any of you heard about a Durham grand jury that was going on until October 2022? I had not. So we knew about a a grand jury that Durham was running this summer. And we know that that grand jury ended in, I believe it was August But this is another one, and it ran all the way until October. So that means, folks, that Durham was running at least two grand juries in the last in the later half or middle of 
the year 2022. That's news. That makes me excited. Next part. By Joffe's own account, according to Rodney Joffe, whatever his word is worth, Special Counsel Durham personally informed him that he will not be prosecuted. So Rodney Joffe is saying that that Special Counsel Durham personally told him that he will not be prosecuted. I have a really hard time believing that. I have a really hard time believing that. Back to Undead Foya. This matches public reporting from the October-November period and leaves us to assume that John Durham is done. I'm not going to assume that. Strikingly, in another section, we learned that the Alpha Bank litigation apparently was the bulk of the legal expenses, not John Durham's investigation. Well, that makes sense because the Alpha Bank litigation went on longer, and when Durham was interviewing Joffe, Joffe kept saying, kept pleading the fifth. So, I mean, how much are you going to pay your lawyer to have to just say fifth, fifth, fifth over and over again? Um, he includes right here, thankfully, again, shout out to Undead Foya. I don't agree with him on many things, but he, I really appreciate him digging this stuff up. And I really appreciate that he included these links so that we could get access to the documents. There aren't many. There's only these two that he put up. Okay. But let's look. And what he got right here, this is a defendant. This is New Star and Security Services LLC responding to Joffe. And they're opposing Joffe's motion, okay? We're just gonna we're just gonna look at part of it. We're not gonna read this whole document. All right, he says in September 2022. Plaintiff Rodney Joffe sent two years worth of law firm bills to the defendants, New Star and, and Security Services, demanding advancement of legal fees for three separate cases that were either concluded or about to be concluded. The defendant properly rejected this demand, noting inter alia that Joffe's claim was at best one for after the fact indemnification, not advancement. Joffe then filed suit and now urges this court to treat his claim as one for advancement, even though all claims against him have now been dismissed. It is clear from Joffe's own conduct that there is no urgency whatsoever to resolving his claim, and this motion to expedite proceedings should therefore be denied. Background. According to Joffe, he was employed by Defendant Newstar or its corporate affiliates from 2006 until 2021. During the 2016 presidential election campaign, Joffe directed Perkins Coie lawyer Michael Sussman to present the FBI with a report purportedly showing internet contacts between the Trump campaign and Alpha Bank, a Russian financial institution, without disclosing Joffe as the source of the information. 
These actions became the subject of considerable public notoriety earlier this year during the prosecution of Sussman in D.C. federal court. The covered proceedings. This is what he, what he wants. He wants money from Newstar for these things. Based on this conduct, Joffe became involved in the following three legal proceedings, which he refers to as the covered proceedings. Alpha Bank versus John Doe. This was Alpha Bank when they, they sued Joffe and some others. All right. The Durham Grand Jury investigation. And this says right here. In January 2021, Joffe became a subject of special counsel Durham's criminal investigation into the origins of Crossfire Hurricane. Remember, there are persons of interest. There are uh, subjects of investigations. There are targets of investigations. He became a subject, which means you're investigating him with an eye towards making him a target of the investigation. Investigation in the discredited claims of collusion between Trump campaign. Joffe received a subpoena in this investigation. As of today, no claims, charges, or third-party discovery obligations are pending against Joffe in any of these three matters. The Alpha Bank matter was voluntarily dismissed with prejudice nine months ago in February 2022. The Trump case was dismissed with prejudice in in September 2022, although the plaintiff has noticed an appeal. And the Durham Grand Jury investigation ended for Joffe in October 2022 when, by Joffe's own account, special counsel Durham personally informed him that he will not be prosecuted. Joffe appears to have retained counsel in connection with the above matters in August of 2020. Footnote. It is not clear why Joffe retained counsel at this time, given that, according to him, he did not become a subject of the special counsel's investigation until January 2021 and did not receive a subpoena in the Alpha Bank matter until August 2021. The footnotes are always so interesting, guys. Why did Joffe retain counsel in connection with the above matters six months ahead of him actually being involved in any of these legal cases? That indicates to me that Joffe got tipped off by someone that he was about to be in big trouble and he needed to get attorneys. Something something spooked him. Something spooked him in the summer of 2020 that let him know that Durham was about to be breathing down his neck. And so he went ahead and got lawyers. Since then, he has incurred approximately $2.6 million in legal fees for each of the three cases. Joffe was represented by Wheel, Gottschall, and Manges, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's all we need from this one. He's, he's asking for an advancement here, but it's not an advancement because all this stuff has passed, according to him. According to him, his legal jeopardy has passed. It says so right here. 
So he's asking for money after the fact. But the actions that he has been sued for are actions he took on his own part. And now that he has $2.6 million in legal fees, he's telling Newstar, well, I did this for you guys. I was trying to protect you, Newstar. I read I read this as Joffe is trying to get whatever money he can ahead of more legal trouble that is headed his way. And he's saying that these things are over and I did this work on behalf of Newstar to try and protect you guys, but I took all the bills on it. You guys owe me money for this. Um kind of weird. And then we, here we have a transcript, which um, if I remember right, I didn't really see anything in the transcript that was super interesting. Uh, I think I did. I remember read. I remember scanning it real quick to see if there was anything in here. All right, so according to Joffe, Durham personally informed him that he will not be prosecuted. If we believe Joffe, which I don't I don't necessarily believe him, but let's let's say he he was told that. Knowing what we do about Joffe's actions, does it make sense that Durham wouldn't prosecute Joffe? It really I can't really square that in my mind that Durham wouldn't prosecute Joffe. Um so there's only one way that I can think of that Joffe could get some kind of agreement where he wouldn't be prosecuted, and that would be that Joffe completely flipped and has just told on everybody and is fully cooperating with Durham now. And he's not going to be prosecuted because he's a cooperating witness and he's got a deal. Like that's the, the only way I can think of that Durham is not going to prosecute Joffe is that, that he, uh, he's worked out some sort of deal and is just completely rolled over or Hey, Joe Lang, good morning. Or what Joe Lang is saying in chat that it's going to be another prosecutor. That Durham told Joffe, yeah, I'm not going to prosecute you. And then it's actually going to be somebody else who's going to prosecute him. So that's possible. But I, the, the thing about that, that, uh, the gap there is that Durham ran the grand jury and ran the investigation into Joffe. So I think, I think that would be a little too clever. Um, for now, for, for now I'm going to settle on that Joffe is lying to new star. It may be his sense impression that, 
Durham told him he's not going to be prosecuted, but I believe he will be. I could see I could see this grand jury running into October and jo- and because a an, an indictment didn't immediately come out of it that Joffe thinks he's not going to be prosecuted and perhaps he contacted Durham and Durham said you know I'm not going I don't need to do any more interviews with you or something like that and so Joffe thinks that Durham isn't going to be prosecuting him But yeah, I, given what we know about Joffe's role in all this, I don't see Joffe getting off and, and escaping any sort of uh, prosecution here. So I tried, fi- I tried finding this stuff, but it, he's right. You have to, uh, I have to give a shout out to Undead Foya for finding this document. You have to search the state of Delaware's uh, court system to find this. So, um, interesting. I'll definitely be watching this case to see what happens with it. I I understand why um, Undead Foya would think this means that Durham's done. Because Joffe says he won't be prosecuted, and then this grand jury ended in October, and we haven't heard anything since then. But people keep making this fundamental error in their thinking um, that a grand jury ends, and then immediately there should be an announcement of an indictment. And that doesn't have to happen. A grand jury can do its work and then return an indictment on any number of people. And then the prosecutor can take that indictment and hold on to it for as long as they want um, and can and can decide when they want to drop the indictment. They can just hold on to it. So. All right. That is my show for today. Now, we're going to. The House is about to come back into session, and they're going to try this speakership thing again. And I'm not sure what the the latest news is on it, but I I know they met really late last night and trying to work out a deal to... Uh, trying to work out a deal to get a, uh, a speaker. And um, I just hope they do guys. I just hope they do. I know a lot of people disagree with me on this topic and I mean, no offense and disagreeing with y'all on this stuff. Um, but I, I expressed my view on it and so did Trump. So I'm I'm ready for investigations to start. I'm ready for committees. I'm ready for the Republicans to get to work. So, and not that they're that great, not that I'm expecting like super amazing things to come out of the house, but I just, I just think they're playing risky games here. And so, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> happy, happy Kyle time. <laughs> I am happy to have a. Uh, I am happy to see some Joffe and Durham news. I'm happy to know that there were two Durham grand juries. One of we didn't know about. I mean, think about think about how think about how amazing that is. There was a Durham grand jury that ran all the way into October, and nobody knew about it. Does anybody really believe that? Um, that, uh, that there's, that Durham ran two grand juries and got nothing out of it. Like, like, <laughs> like what? I, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, Arturel, I don't know what you mean about rumble rants, not meaning anything. Uh, there's some back up there that I miss, but um, let me scroll up. Rumble makes them disappear after a short amount of time. So if I don't catch them when they post up, then they disappear and I don't see them. I can scroll up and try and find them. Uh, Brogent, thank you very much. I appreciate the Rumble rant. I just don't always catch them. Um, Rogent said Joffe indictment inbound undead FOIA is as Durham black pill is. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's as Durham black. He's Durham black pilled. A lot of people are, um, but Durham likes to fake cooperation through a trial. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll see how many, uh, rumble rants are still available for me to scroll through and find. It depends. Uh, I see one from Art Terrell. You said if they do a power sharing agreement, I'm done. You are right. Well, thank you for telling me I'm right. You've worked tirelessly to get America first candidates and they don't want to lose fighters like me. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you. Um, and I think a power sharing agreement is. It's more likely now than ever. Miss Mo says the art of the deal. Trump and McCarthy have a deal. I agree. They do. McCarthy will put the right players in place to expose the truth. Committee assignments, make or break Congress. It's a deal. I agree. Let me see. Arturell told me to move on to the next topic way back around the time I moved on to the next topic. I think. <laughs> Let's see. Buster Lou says, keep speaking the truth. I don't always agree with you, but you make solid arguments and clear the aisle forward for us to see the big picture. We need to get to work. Thank you for showing leadership. I appreciate that, Buster Lou. I appreciate everybody's uh, rumble rants. I just can't always catch them uh, during the show. Um, I wish I wish rumble. There's a lot of things I wish rumble would do. I really wish rumble had playlist that would help a lot if they had playlist and if they had timestamps so I could timestamp my shows to what, what topic I cover at what um, point of the show, you know, but another thing that that would really help is if rumble rants went into their own, like if they stacked as a, as a stream, like as the host, if the rumble rants went into somewhere where I could just like, they stayed there, you know, um, I hate that they disappear. I don't know why Rumble 
why anybody would think that was a good idea for Rumble Rants to disappear. Uh, but it would really help creators out if the rants went into a certain place and stayed there. Um, it would also be great if if there was like something where if you're a subscriber, your chat is highlighted for the creator to see so that people who subscribe to my shows or people who are regular commenters like there, what they post on there is highlighted or something. So it stands out more. Um, there's a lot. Somebody made a comment the other day. I can't remember where it was, but they made it was in a chat. I was in, they made a comment about how rumble had hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on Joe Rogan. Remember when rumble offered hundreds of million dollars for Joe Rogan to go exclusive on rumble. How is it that, how is it that rumble had hundreds of millions of dollars to make an offer to Joe Rogan, but they don't have a few million dollars to hire a programmer to make the rumble chat better and to add timestamps and to add playlist like just really basic things. Um, Sorry to gripe about Rumble, but it's doing a live show is a lot better when the chat, you know, is it's easier for the chat to participate in the show and it's easier for the host to be able to take in the chat. So, um, anyway, that's one thing Foxhole has over Rumble is that the Foxhole chat features are a lot better. Although I, I wish some things on uh Foxhole stood out a bit better. Thank you to everybody for the gold pills over on uh Foxhole. Appreciate you guys. Um so y'all have an awesome day. And I'm going to try to not be pissed off at the GOP. <laughs> and uh, um, I'm going to hope that everybody listens to Trump and puts McCarthy in a speaker and we can move past this. So I'll be back live on a Friday morning for flannel Friday and we'll see. We'll see what we, what we have. I know there were new, there were new Twitter files and I haven't read through them. I've been digging. I've been digging a lot into Andrew Tate and finding nothing of nothing good at all. (laughs) Nothing good at all. And so I'm not even sure I want to cover it, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. So y'all be blessed. Remember, we're not going to win every battle. We are going to win this war. Y'all have a good one. I'll see you on Friday.